Hello, this is another episode of Haiku Poet Podcast. We are excited to be here with you. We are sitting around the campfire wearing our winter jackets, our hats, and our mittens. And what are we going to have for dinner? Um, hot dogs. Hot dogs. Our come over. You like it when our friends can come yeah. over? I do too. And, and, I, and my favorite dinner is, is turkey. Turkey? You're going to have to wait for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Caleb, what's your favorite dinner? Burgers. Burgers. Awesome. I like. What do you like? Hmm. Not quite sure? You're thinking. What is it? Trail mix. So peanut butter, M&M's. Uh, peanut. You like it for dinner? Raisins, yeah. Almonds, Raisins, almonds. Cool. And, 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 my, and I got one more favorite dinner. And I like, and my favorite, and my other favorite dinner is Ow. Oh, good. I, I like pie. Fun. Cake. Okay, well, here we go. Uh, today we have an interview from a haiku poet from the UK, and his name is Paul Chambers. And when I came across one of his poems, it really touched me. So I reached out to Paul via email and asked if he would be up for doing an email interview, and he agreed, of which we say, thanks, Paul. Uh, it's going to be exciting to uh, read this here for you kids around the campfire, and I hope that all of our listening audience is able to enjoy uh, gleaning some of the experience, the encouragement, and the wisdom from Paul. Here we go. Hi, Paul. I was first introduced to your work while reading a haiku anthology, and I came across your haiku, and here it is. Pre-dawn stars, plumes of breath from a cattle truck. I enjoy reading lots of haiku, and when the hair on the back of my neck raises, I know it's touching something powerful. This happened the first time I read your haiku, and I have a similar response each time I read it. Can you describe writing this haiku, and if it was an actual one-time experience, or written from a collective of many such early morning experiences? And Paul writes, Well, first of all, thank you for your kind words about this poem. I am really glad to hear it touch something powerful for you. This one was actually written in the moment I experienced it, as a passenger in a car. There was a feeling of clarity in the experience, so there was nothing to consider beyond reflecting what I perceived. These moments often create the best haiku when the experience is presented purely, without too much thought. This is why children often write the best haiku. They express things as they perceive them, purely, without an intellectual filter. I think this poem has a lot of layers, and I think its depth comes about because of its simplicity. Next question I asked is, what were your first introductions or first introduction to haiku and poetry at large? What has been your journey since those early days? Paul writes, 
I have always been interested in poetry and have always read voraciously. What I have felt drawn to most of all, both in terms of poetry I enjoyed reading and poetry I enjoyed writing, were short poems or fragments and phrases in longer poems. When I created phrases or fragments of my own that I felt were meaningful and then attempted to turn those into longer pieces, I often felt like I was writing the poem away. I was losing the essence of what I wanted to express as I was forcing myself to include elements that were unnecessary just to make the poem longer. And so I began to feel disillusioned as I felt my sensibility and therefore my craft had no place. Fortunately, it was at that time that I discovered Jack Kerouac's Book of Haikus. The poems in that collection and Kerouac's philosophy on the haiku form reverberated in such a way that I would describe that discovery as life-changing. I had been aware of haiku, but had never seriously immersed myself in it. There was such an honesty and purity inherent in this short form, and the poems resonated so deeply that it felt like an epiphany. From that point on, I have dedicated myself to the form, as I believe it enables me to communicate with life the way life communicates with me. And then my third question, could you describe a little bit about yourself, your life, your day job, and if writing haiku is how you earn your bread or if there's some other means in which you put food on the table? And Paul responds, I am fortunate enough to have earned money selling my haiku collections, but I could never rely solely on haiku for an income. I work as a specialist English tutor in a college working primarily on a one-on-one -on -one basis with learners who have learning, emotional, and psychological difficulties. It's challenging, but often deeply rewarding, and working term time only provides me with a pro, working term time only provides me with a lot of time and energy to devote to my writing. I consider myself fortunate to have found that balance. The stresses brought on by financial problems are damaging to creativity, so I need to know all of that stuff is in place. This then frees me up and affords me more energy to focus on my work. And then question four, do you participate in writing groups or in what ways are you challenged, encouraged, sharpened in your writing of haiku? And Paul responds, I have never been a member of a writing group and I've never formally studied haiku. I do run haiku workshops, which is a great way to develop my understanding and challenge my perspectives. However, I'd say that editing the Wales Haiku Journal 
is the thing that outside of actually writing haiku is what keeps me most sharpened. Alongside curating the high quality of poems I am able to publish in the journal, I always try to offer constructive feedback and perspectives on work I don't take. So that dual process is always informative for me and challenges me. I also read a lot. I would estimate that over the course of a year, I read between 15 to 30 poems a day of all kinds. And I don't read for pleasure very much these days as I am always reading to find things that might inspire my writing. Fifth question. As a dad with five young children myself, I celebrate with you as you recently became a father. How has this impacted your writing? And Paul responds, At the moment, I'm not sure I could trace any tangible impact on my writing itself, as you can no doubt appreciate. Becoming a parent means your focus becomes almost exclusively devoted to your children, particularly during those early months, which is a beautiful thing. So I have written less in these months since my son was born, but I don't think there has been too much of a change in my actual writing, at least not that I can see at the moment. That said, I think having a child makes your appreciation and perception of life even sharper. And these feelings open up your senses and emotions in a way which are incredibly intense. So in that respect, I think my experience of life is more intense since becoming a father. It'll be interesting to see in time if and how this manifests in my work. Sixth question. Basho's travel journals speak of solitude as well as human interactions. Have you engaged in long journeys or adventures? What would be a dream adventure in which to engage nature? A walking, bicycling, kayaking, horseback, motorcycle journey, or something altogether different. How many days or weeks would you want to live out in the elements, being part of the great expanse around us? Paul's response. My second collection, Latitudes, was written with the feeling of a journey in mind. Not any one specific journey, but a general feeling of movement, of travel. A lot of the poems in that book were written while traveling in North America, Spain, and the Middle East, alongside poems written in Wales, where I live. However, the work I am writing now feels much more rooted in Wales. My more recent poems feel much more elemental than a lot of my earlier work, which is more lyrical. I think this is a reflection of the landscape in which I am focused. Walking is always the method of travel that I opt for whenever possible. 
So a dream adventure right now would be a series of long walks into the Welsh landscape. The great nature writer Nan Shepherd talked about walking the flesh transparent and the way walking opens up your senses to the environment makes it extremely conducive to writing haiku. It unlocks you. It's no coincidence that a good number of masterpieces of haiku were written while walking. And this seventh question, what advice or encouragement would you have for those just beginning on the adventure of haiku? Well, firstly, read a lot and read good quality translations. I think people come at haiku with preconceptions of the form being exotic or spiritually profound without really reading too many actual examples. And this taints their efforts at writing haiku as they try to make them too clever. Or they get chained to the 575 syllable model which is severely misunderstood concept. So understanding the spirit and the true technical elements of the form is essential. This takes patience too. More broadly, I would encourage people simply to notice. Haiku is the art of noticing, and being attentive is the devotion we owe to the world. Without the art of noticing, we cannot expect to compose meaningful haiku. So, read a lot and notice the little things. Could you share, this is my eighth question, could you share a few of your haiku and possibly a little background on each? Okay, here are a few poems of mine that I tend to return to. I don't learn as much from my own haiku once they are written as I do from other people's haiku, but these are poems that mean a lot to me. Here's the first one. River bridge, the distance of my prayer. River bridge, the distance of my prayer. And here's Paul's explanation. I don't write too many one-liners. You guys see how this is written on one line? Yep. So some haiku, there's a top line, a second line, and a third line. And this, it's all one line. So Paul says, I don't write too many one-liners, but I felt attached to this one as soon as I wrote it. The word bridge in this poem serves as an axis which can change the meaning from the physical to the spiritual depending on how you read the poem. Life, it seems to me, is about this balance of flesh and spirit. And so I am fond of this poem for the way it touches on these things. The next haiku, meadow sweet, notes of a blackbird after rain. Meadow sweet, notes of a blackbird after rain. I had tried to write a poem on this topic, the sound of a blackbird singing in the mist after rain, for about four years before I got it right. Lines two and three were pretty much always there, but I couldn't get the first line right, 
and had to keep coming at the experience fresh to see what connected. I think the word meadow sweet sounds a little like the notes of blackbirds singing after rain. It has this sweetening quality. So I like the way this poem sings. And the final haiku. Blue hour, the day's heat lingers in lilac scent. Blue hour, the day's heat lingers in lilac scent. Smell is the most evocative of the senses, but it is also the most transitory. There is an immediacy to the memories a scent evokes, but the fleeting sensation of fragrance reminds us of the impermanence of these moments. I tried to capture something of this in this poem, and in a sensual way, I like the way lilac flowers smell after a day of heat, just when the dusk is turning blue. I like the way a summer day stretches out. Wow, thank you, Paul. Uh, what a gift to be able to read questions and hear responses from someone who has devoted great time and energy. Yes, to exploring haiku. Did you notice at the very beginning, Paul said that there's a, a certain age group of people that seem to write haiku in a very pure form. Who, what age group was that? Me. Children. Yeah, you guys. And so the way that you see the world, maybe even something as simple as the smoke rising up from the fire. Or do you notice how the flag is, is kind of hanging, just kind of, it almost looks, almost, just a barely move in the breeze. It's, it's a real gift to be able to spend time with you and hear your perspectives and, and see how you see the world, right? It allows me, even though I'm 38, to remember and to enter in, what was it like to be seven, six, four, two, right? One. Yeah, it's it's a gift. What other ideas? What did you think of this last one? Um, blue hour, the day's heat lingers in lilac scent. You like the bird one, the one with the blackbirds? The last one and the first and the first bridge one. Yes, you enjoyed the bridge one? And the last one. Would you like me to read that bridge one again? Yeah. I like you like the bridge one too? Like River bridge the distance of my prayer. Do you like walking over bridges? Yeah! Yeah, I do too. And when, when I read the, the one with the, the day's heat lingers, right? Blue hour, the day's heat lingers in lilac scent. It made me think of our, our large lilac bush. And when I'm mowing by it, maybe in June, July, when the, the lilac is really blooming and the bees are buzzing around, 
breathe it in, it almost feels hey, like you Daddy. can taste it. Yes, hey, honey. Daddy, girl. I like hood up. Yes, I like my hood up to keep me warm, oh. but right now I have my hood down. Because I feel pretty comfortable. I feel comfortable. Kind of mix each other, which makes a good smell. Ooh, I like that. The mixing my, of the lilac and the grass. My feet are are you ready to go in the house feeling a little chilly let's finish with this last haiku and one thing i noticed in this one paul said that he had been working on it for four years to me that is a that's a testament of dedication that's a testament of perseverance and so let me read that and let me encourage each of you i'm sure that paul comes home for lunch Yes, he's a new dad. Did you know that? Isn't that amazing? Woohoo! Paul. Yes, Paul is our friend who likes haiku. And so Paul knew that he. I'm not sure if he has a big trailer, but let me read the, the last two lines. He might have a teeny trailer. He might have a big trailer. He might not have a trailer. Maybe a blue trailer. Maybe a green trailer. Maybe a blue, maybe a green. I'm going to read these. This was the part that he had four years. For four years, he, he kept on trying and entering into the moment. So after the rain, he'd go out to the meadow and he'd be like, I have this part. Notes of a blackbird after rain. But he knew that something would come up at the beginning. Notes of a blackbird after rain. And he came up with meadow sweet. And if you say it, meadow sweet, meadow sweet, it almost sounds like a bird. Meadow sweet, meadow sweet, notes of a blackbird after the rain. All right, well, with, with toes that are getting a little chilly and dinner that's about ready to prepare, I say let's sign off from this podcast. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Can you say thanks to Paul? Thank you, Paul. All right. Have a great evening.